Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr. J.D. Hall will be here later in the episode to talk about Warriors and the Cavaliers, but I there there's some crazy stuff going on in the NBA right this week, um, and I'd be remiss to not talk a little bit about it. Um, I don't really think there's a better place to start. I, the Lakers in general are dominating today's news. This is going to come out probably. I'm going to put this out first thing Thursday morning. Um, and I, I think the place we got to start is LeBron James breaking the NBA's all-time scoring record. A record that it was reasonable to think would never be broken. 38,387 points is a lot of points. And I think we need to take into context and appreciate what it took for LeBron to break this record. Insane longevity. Insane health while having insane longevity. Kobe played about 20 years, but Kobe had that massive Achilles tear in about year 15. Kobe could have broken this record realistically. Kobe was putting up massive amounts of points even in a lower scoring era, but he tore his Achilles and, you know, that was pretty much that from an effectiveness standpoint. LeBron's never had to deal with that. And I think it's remarkable. Um, a lot of people are remarking in the lack of LeBron's signature shot. And I'd argue in the half court, there, there probably isn't a signature shot. He could beat you in a lot of ways. In the, there, LeBron does have a signature shot, though. I think it's foolish to say he doesn't have one. That's the tomahawk dunk. The fact that he gets up there in transition and just absolutely skies in the air and just annihilates the rim with a plump. Like he, he gets up there and just destroys the rim and he's still doing it. Now the hops aren't what it used to be, right? He's 38 years old. I saw him try to last. I, I watched some of the game, you know, the game interested me for other reasons other than other than LeBron breaking the scoring record. It helped that he was playing one of my teams for the power hour. Um, but watching LeBron try to go up for a chase down block, this his signature chase down block, it, it just isn't the same anymore because he, he doesn't have that gear, right? But what 38 year old would, it's remarkable that like we, we see this guy putting, doing such remarkable things and like, oh, I think to myself, why isn't he getting that chase down block? And it's, oh, he's 38 years old. There's only so many things you could expect a 38-year-old man to reasonably do. He's a legend. He's the greatest player of my lifetime. I don't know if I would say he's the greatest player of all time, but he's definitely the greatest player of my generation. From I was born in 1997. So when I was six months old, to get like I mean, that basically reveals my age. When I was six months old, Michael Jordan won his sixth championship. I've never known an NBA really without LeBron James. LeBron came in when I was five. Um, I started following the NBA when I was about 11. And 
one of the first stories I remember. Well, first, one of the first stories I remember was actually LeBron destroying the 2009-10 Heat. Like, I think the Cavs won 62 games that year. And they just obliterated the Bulls. I was like, man, the Bulls next year, they're going to get them. And then there was no them to get because LeBron took his talents down to South Beach. And that's when I really fell. I really fell in love with the NBA. And Derrick Rose, you know, I always talk about Derrick Rose being a big part of why I love the NBA, but I I think LeBron, LeBron's been the through line to my NBA fandom. You know, like all the guys I've loved, you know, watching through their whole careers, you know, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Monte Ellis, you know, to give you some throwback, Zebo, um, like just the players I love now, like, you know, Poku, um, you guys, if you listen to this podcast, you guys know the players I like to watch. But LeBron's been there and been, and I know I have been a Lakers critic and you, you could even hater would be a fair accusation and criticism to levy against me. I, I don't think I'd welcome it with open arms, but I'd, I'd have to, if the shoe fits, I you have to wear it. But I'm grateful to have been able to watch his career. Like I remember a lot of my favorite NBA memories involve LeBron James. Like, just thinking about it, right? Game 6, 2012, Boston. Um, not a one that people are talking about a lot about this week. I, like, Simmons and Zach Lowe are both talking about Game 6 of the Finals in 2013. Oh, an iconic LeBron game, to be sure. Well, probably, I'd say, all in all, probably his best game, magnum opus, even though... The defining play was a horrible miss by him. But 2012, game six against the Celtics, they were backs were against the wall. I remember, you know, I was so new to the NBA. The narrative was LeBron, choker, can't win the big one. And what does he do? 45, 15, five puts the Celtics away. And I think I don't remember the final score of that game. I just remember they won by about 20 and the Celtics, the game seven was were decimated. And a year later, they blew up that team. And now, I mean, LeBron doing that game six to them was the best thing that ever happened to him because now they, um, now they're, uh, look at, look at who they have on their team now and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That's because of that Kevin Garnett trade. But, and then LeBron challenged those teams in the conference finals, in their first conference finals. And so, you can make a whole through line of East teams, right? Like LeBron, LeBron's first East teams were against the, you know, champion. His first year in the league was that Pistons team that dethroned the Shaq Kobe Lakers, the one that broke apart that dynasty. And then his, now he's playing against Luca. He's playing against, you know, and he's still, he's averaging more points now than he did then. I, I don't think we can put into words. Now, I, I, I've prefaced this before by saying pace is higher, points are a little out of control. That being said, a 38-year-old averaging realistically, let's just say, let's put him at 25. A 38-year-old averaging, MJ came back and averaged 20 points a game, and he had an insanely high usage rate. Do you think they were just like, oh, here, MJ, go do your thing? 
Now, did MJ take two seasons off and then come back? Yes. Did he also struggle even more the next year? He sure did. <laughs> he sure did. So I think we have to take a second sometimes. And I know I, I've done my fair share of criticism of LeBron on this podcast, but breaking that record, getting to 38,388 points, it's a testament to longevity. It's a testament to not like, I know he's missed some games in the last few seasons of his career, but in the first 15 seasons of his career, he hardly missed games. And with the way the NBA is structured now, we have young guys doing load management games. Like we have Luka Doncic missing games for load management. So, okay. 2017, 18, the year where he drags that Cavs team to the finals. He plays 82 games, plays 37 minutes a game. I'm sorry. There is no superstar. Jokic isn't playing 82. Well, I mean, Jokic would not play 82 games this year, but we always, we lauded Jokic for his durability and consistency. Jokic has played, I think, all the games once in his career. Um, Tatum, I don't think, I think Tatum's gotten there. I'll, I'll look at Tatum real quick. I don't know how many times Tatum's gotten to Tatum's played 80, 79. So he's missed his first couple of years. He missed a couple of games, 20, 19, 20. He missed a few games, 20, 20, 21. He missed eight games, um, 22. He missed six games. So it's really hard to play that many games and score that many points for 20 years and still be bigger than everybody, stronger than everybody more athletic than everybody. We need to take the time to appreciate what he's done and how great of a career he's had. That being said, now's not the time to do that because it is trade deadline season, folks. Um, Unfortunately, I won't be able to break down the majority of these trades because I will be off mic. I think it will be a delicate way to put it for the next two weeks, but I, I did... If I had a chance to talk about any trades, I didn't want to talk about them. So I, I'm not recording this till 9.30 on Wednesday the 8th. Um, there was a pretty big trade that happened today. So D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt are going to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to pull up the exact details of this trade. Massive, massive trade, though. Um, I know Russell Westbrook and a 2027 first are going back to the Jazz. Um, and then... Mike Conley, I believe, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and a few second-round picks are going back to the Timberwolves. I'll add any stuff that I missed. That's the basic gist of the trade. Um, wait, did we get any more breaking news? Let's see. Let's see if we got... I have tweet notifications on. Okay. That's not, it's not something important. I can talk about that in a second. Um, so... The Jazz also received one to Scano Anderson and Damian Jones, who, by the way, will help probably help a team. Um, teams are looking for backup centers. I can think of a couple teams that could use a guy like Damian Jones. Um, <laughs> Portland. Um, team that also made a trade tonight. Uh, so, looking at this trade, the Lakers came away with a King's Ransom. Getting Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and D'Angelo Russell. I don't know why. I, I Okay, I have an idea why the Wolves are so eager to trade D'Angelo Russell in that he's an expiring contract. 
So I understand why maybe they weren't able to get a ton for him. Um, that being said, this Russell's a pr- a pretty ideal guy next to LeBron. He's a good scorer. He's not gonna. He wants the ball, but I think he's gonna be smart enough to be like, hey, you know, I need to get off the ball here. <laughs> he's not a bad catch and shoot player. Malik Beasley, probably the most underrated player in the league right now. Um, catch and shoot ace, good defender, steal for one first round pick, and then Jared Vanderbilt. They were talking about this guy for a couple seconds, so I'm I'm not surprised he was t- like kind of just tossing this deal. Um, I I really like this return for the Lakers. I think this move can vault them. Now the Lakers are twenty five and thirty. They lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder last night in that game where LeBron passed Kareem for the scoring record. Um, I. I'm kind of loath to say it, but it's like the West is so jumbled. I could see a lot of things happening. I don't see them missing the play in though. I think they're going to go on a run here. I think they're too good not to now. And I think LeBron's going to, I mean, LeBron's been playing great all year. I it's at some point it's just undeniable and AD, AD looked terrible in the thunder game last night, but he, I think he'll bounce back. I have faith in him. Um, Let's go through the other teams in this deal. Utah, I'm surprised they only got... I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. I thought Beasley and Conley were each worth worth a first-round pick. If I was a team, I would have gone harder after Jared Vanderbilt. Like A a team like the 76ers. I saw a lot of 76ers fans saying, I want Jared Vanderbilt. And he would have been a guy that was perfect for that team because he's bigger than... like Basically, he would have done everything Montrezl Harrell could do. As like a backup five while also being able to guard wings. Incredibly valuable player. I don't know why they weren't going harder after him. Um, that being said, getting the most valuable first round pick on the market, I think they they came out with a score here. Um, top four protected though. So I mean, you're just banking on the Lakers to not be good and hope they don't get that pick because if they don't get that pick. Um, it becomes a 2027 20, second round pick. So you just got to hope for the Lakers to suck and for them to be the fifth pick. That's, that's your best case scenario for the, for the jazz, for taking on, for the pleasure of taking on for, for basically buying out Russell Westbrook. That's basically what the jazz get out of this trade is they're buying out Russell Westbrook and they're probably going to buy out Amy and Jones too. Um, Scano Anderson, maybe, but I don't think maybe I, I could see them buying him out. Russ, I think will have immediate interest if he's willing to take another backup point guard role. I thought he was doing well in LA, but obviously you could take this package 10 times out of 10. If you have it, I don't, I'm not hating on Russ at all for this. And then for the Minnesota side, at some point we just have to t- accept the fact that Nikhil Alexander Walker might not have it. This is what four teams now for my guy Nikhil. Um, listen, it's just a throw. I basically just a throw in in this trade. It seems to make salaries match. Probably Mike Conley is a guy 
who I think makes sense for the Wolves and what they're looking for next to Anthony Edwards. And plus, with a guy like Mike Conley, he has experience next to Gobert. Now, are you building the Minnesota Jazz? Or are you building the, you know, Los Angeles Timberwolves? It's, you know, who can really say? I think that what's interesting about this trade for Minnesota is that I think it makes more sense for the ant side of things than the Rudy side of things. Rudy, it's very clear where the connection is. Um, Ant, very good scorer, very good. And he needs someone who can control the offense. And we saw last year, and basically you're throwing Mike Conley in the situation he was in with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you're <laughs> it's basically just a shot for shot remake of the jazz, except you're adding Carl Anthony Towns. So this is an interesting mix of guys for the jazz or for the, for the jazz for the Timberwolves. Um, I'm interested to see how they proceed from here and what angles they take. Um, I'm just, I'm just really interested to see. So the other, I guess, minor move of the night and it's, it's interesting, I guess Josh Hart is being traded to the New York Knicks for cam reddish and a protected first round pick. Um, the Josh Hart thing didn't really work out in Portland, huh? He was a starter there. I to me, this kind of signals that the Blazers might be blowing it up this year, going for women Yama, because if you can get stuff for your other guys, then you have a chance to make serious hay in this trade market. And I think those guys, I think they need to see the opportunity ahead of them. And plus. This is also going to be team three for Cam Reddish now. Hopefully he gets some actual burn here. For the Knicks side of it. So the question is, where does he slot in? I don't think he's playing over. I don't think he's starting over Grimes. And I, I he's obviously not starting over Brunson or Barrett. So that means he's coming off the bench. And... How many minutes a game does he play? Does it mess up their rotation? I I, I kind of like the trade. It, I guess it makes sense. But, and I guess that's actually, I'll pull up the Woj tweet that I saw. Um, so the, it's a lottery protected 2023 first round pick that turns into four future second round picks if it's not conveyed this year. So, the Blazers better hope the Knicks make the playoffs. It's, it sounds like they're trying to collect firsts. And yeah, I, I think that this team is in dire need of an infusion of young talent and preferably one from France in their eyes. Um, and in terms of injury news, I think I already talked about the biggest news of the week in the Warriors segment because we, I mean, we had the Warriors and JD and I taught recorded on Sunday, not much changed in that regard about the Warriors from then to now. Um, I will say KD going to miss the all-star game. Zion also going to miss the all-star game. So it'll be interesting to see who takes their place. Um, and yeah, it sucks. Injuries suck. I wish we could turn them off. And but it's just like I predicted, the Warriors won on Monday. 
That's just like I thought they would. So let's go ahead and talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, who spoiled. I think spoiled is the, a great word to use. Um, spoiled LeBron's crowning achievement. They're 11th in the West, 26 and 28. Last five games. Lost to the Warriors, 128 to 120. Lost to the Rockets, 112 106. Absolutely gobsmacked the Rockets in their next game, 153 121. Then got absolutely destroyed by the Warriors in their next game, 141 to 114. And then beat the Lakers last night, 133 to 130. Um, I mean, not much. Hoku went down. I, I mentioned that injury on one of my last monologues. Poku went down. That's a huge injury for this team because um, now this team, since the last time we talked about them, is playing basically centerless basketball. Jalen Williams is kind of a center, but in actuality, he's not really a center. Um, he's a he's a decent shooter. Jalen, I, I said Jalen Williams, presuming you all knew who I was talking about. Jalen number six. So if you're watching the Thunder, there's two Jalen Williams. There's Jalen number eight who played for Santa Clara. He's commonly referred to as J-Dub. And then there's Jalen who is number six and he went to Arkansas. Um, I'm referring to Jalen right now. And right now the Oklahoma City Thunder are... Let's see, where are they in defense? Shockingly, this can't be right. They are 12th in defense, despite their shortcomings on that side of the basketball. Um, and it's, it's a real testament to Mark Daniel. I'm, I'm sure I mispronounced that, but if you listen to this, Mark, just let me know. Just hit, hit me up at by Dylan Hughes. Um, we'll be willing to take your criticism. But they really have this group as a well-oiled unit. Now, you can see where the cracks start to show and when the defense starts to sputter. But that being said, this team has got something. They are cooking with gas. This team will probably be a playoff team next year. They might make the playoffs this year, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so it is... Right now, they're missing three key players, probably three starters. Um, I did not realize Lou Dort was out, but that makes sense because I did not see him at all last game. He has a hamstring injury, and Mark Daniel said, that's the pronunciation I'm going with, said that Lou Dort is certainly not close to playing. Um, Chet Holmgren, obviously, out for the season. I don't think they're going to bring him back. I think this is going to be like Blake Griffin. Let's just go Blake Griffin. Easiest comparison. Pokashevsky, he's going to suffer a non-displaced tibial plateau fracture in his left leg and will be reevaluated in six to eight weeks. Well, it's been about six weeks. So, and Poku, when he was playing, was averaging 1.3 blocks a game, which isn't a whole lot, but it was some semblance of weak side rim protection, which this team so desperately needed. Let's see. Um, because this team is very small without Poku and Poku is not big. <laughs> He's tall. He is not big. 
Bomani Jones says, there is a tall man and there is a big man. Alexei Pokashevsky is a tall man. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been basically cut from the rotation this year. Um, and probably for good reason. He's like 6'7". Like, it was cute last year when they were trying to tank. It's not going to cut it this year. Um, Aaron Wiggins, I want to see more of him. Trey Mann, give me all the Trey Mann stock. I, I demand Caleb and give me his Trey Mann stock. And he says no. Smart man. Um, a guy I've been really impressed with this year. There's been a lot of chatter about how sophomores haven't improved this year. I frankly think that's not true. I've seen steps from Jalen Green's game, even though I haven't been thrilled with all of it. I've seen steps from guys from, from Franz Wagner. I've seen steps. Evan Mobley, we talked about in this later on in this episode. Zaire Williams definitely got worse. Um, Scotty Barnes definitely took a step back. But in terms of a guy that got better from year one to year two, Josh Giddy definitely got better. That jump shot is looking way better already than it did in year one. I don't know what happened. I don't think the numbers would necessarily bear this out. What did he shoot from three? Yeah. So he's already up to 31.5% from three this year, which might not sound that great, but last year he was at 26.3% from three. And you realize, oh shoot, that's a massive improvement up from 71%. Well, we're rounding up here to be generous up from 71% from the free throw line to 78%. Um, really good improvement there up from, from two point percentage, 53% from two last year compared to 49% last year. Or the 53% this year. Everything I've wanted to see from him on the offensive side has improved. And we're starting to see it in the OKC offense. Now, is he a good shooter? No. <laughs> He's still bad. But going from dreadful to bad is making a big enough impact in this offense where I think him and Shea can play together. Now, he needs to keep getting better. But they have the world's greatest shooting coach on their staff. And clear if what this season is showing me is that this jump shot isn't broken. It's just not. And there's a player there. This guy, this guy's going to be a problem. I was telling JD on my last episode, I like was looking at all the rosters seeing like, you know, okay, this guy could be a possible all-star. I thought about it for like a second with JD. I'm not going to say he I was like, Oh, this guy was going to make my team. This guy has been really good this year. And taking a huge step forward in year two. Not a whole lot of sophomores can say that. The defense has <laughs> incredible defense from a second year player. I, his defense year one stood off the page this year. It's just, it's gotten better. And listen, I, I can't think of a better guy to have in your foxhole than Josh Giddy. If he's going to keep improving like this from three by the time year four comes around, he's probably gonna be shooting 38% and you can't ignore him. And if you can't ignore Josh Giddy, he's going to score 25 points a game because he's got handles. He's got moves. He's going to average 25 and 10. There's just no doubt about it. Now the other guy on this team that's interesting if he had a jumper, a little bit better of a jumper would be J Dub. The aforementioned J Dub. 30 also shooting 31% from three on the year. Um the Thunder have really done a good job of molding their team in a way 
that these guys are all incredibly high IQ players. And that is a testament to Sam Presti, to building a culture. People were like, oh, this tank is taking forever. Again, I need to remind everyone when I talk about the Thunder, this tank has been going on. So Chris Paul, let's just do a real quick timeline. Chris Paul gets traded there for Russell Westbrook in 1920. <laughs> okay. Um, Danilo Gallinari could send over. I don't remember exactly for what. It's been a while. <laughs> Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Oh, no. Danilo Gallinari comes over in the um, Paul George trade. That's right. For, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, so you have that whole situation going down. You have... So in 2019-20, they make the playoffs. Um, they're the five seed. They play an incredibly tough seven game series against the against the Rockets, who then get embarrassed by the Lakers. They get pants by the Lakers in the second round. Um, then they decide to blow it up. They trade or they let Danilo walk in free agency and they trade Chris Paul to the Suns. Um, and, you know, they acquire all these picks. They acquire even more picks than they already had from the Westbrook and Paul George trades. So this is in the offseason of 2020, right? This is the rebuild. It's kind of just beginning now. Like they obviously had acquired all these picks, but now they're actually tearing down. Um, They have, they don't realize it yet. They have, I mean, maybe they do. They're smarter than me. They have a bona fide star in Shea Gilgis Alexander. And so first year, they're terrible. They had to shut Shea Gilgis Alexander. They, they get Poku in the first round. Poku was the big get from the 2020 offseason for the Thunder. Um, and so they get Poku. They're terrible. Get Giddy. And they get Trey Mant. Last year, they're terrible. They get Chet Holmgren. Hurts himself. But now look at them. They're on track. Right now, they're a game. They're not very far out of the play-in. They're not. I'm going to pull up the standings real quick. Actually, wait, no, I have the standings pulled up. I need to keep this page open for eternity. Um, Like, they're ahead of the Blazers right now. They're... I'm assuming at some point they're going to probably fall. So, okay. So, right now, 0.5 games behind the Jazz. And the Jazz, the move today signals to me they're going hard for Wembenyama. So, that means they're probably going to jump into the play-in. They're a game and a half behind New Orleans. Yeah, behind or behind Minnesota, two games behind New Orleans, two games behind Golden State, two and a half games behind Dallas. Really close. They go on a five game winning streak. They're in the playoffs right now. Now, I'm not saying they will go on a five game winning streak. This team is really, really unbalanced, and that makes it really hard to rip off a winning streak like that. But when you have that guy, and the Thunder have that guy in Shea Gilgis Alexander, he is 1A, he is the man. How many teams can say they have the man? Not a whole lot. And I mean, the Thunder have the man, M-A-N-N. They have the man, M-A-N, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Up to 31 points, six assists, five rebounds, 1.7 steals, 1.1 blocks. Um, 35% from three, not taking a whole lot of threes. Taking 18 two attempts, basically unheard of in this era. Most guys are gunning from three. He's not, he's eschewing the three point shot and getting the line 10 times a game. Just saying, I'm going to dominate inside the arc. And 
he is having a season to remember. If they had a defensive backbone, if they had, I mean, hell, if they had Poku right now, they, they're probably in the plan. The fact that they've been this good without Poku, without Chet, could you imagine if they had Chet? <laughs> they've been doing this without Chet last year. I don't think you, like, okay. Chet at Gonzaga. Drew Timmy, fine college player. But he is not anyone's idea of, you know, Akeem Olajuwon, even at Houston. Houston Cougars. Okay. He's not going to drag anyone to a championship. He needs NBA players around him. I mean, I know Gonzaga got upset pretty early in the tournament last year, but it wasn't Chet's fault. (laughs) It was not Chet's fault. And the big man's very talented, very skilled. He outdueled Paolo in their one duel last year. And I remember watching that game. I'm like, oh, no, it's it's quite obvious. And then, you know, I came around to Paolo being the first pick. But Chet, man. You throw Chet on this team. Now, I will say one thing this team needs. What I was saying earlier about tall versus big. Hoku and Chet are tall. They're not big. They need big. Like Jalen Williams, big. Josh Giddy ain't small, but he's not really big. Shea is big. Lou Dort is big. They need someone down low like that, though. Or you need someone like that at 3-4. Like, P.J. Tucker wouldn't ever. I think P.J. Tucker would rather die, probably, than go to Oklahoma City. But you need someone like a P.J. Tucker. Someone like Isaiah Hartenstein, maybe. Like, someone who just was some width on their body. You can't just have tree trunks there. It's not going to, it's not sustainable. You need someone who can hit somebody down low. And as people think that today's NBA is soft, but there's guys in the NBA who will take you down low and eat you up. And I think the thunder just need that, but I I'm a really big fan of where they are. I think in a couple years, you throw all this talent together I mean, hell, I haven't even seen Ujman Deng play Shang play that much. I want to see him play some more. Um, this the sky's the limit for this team, man. And plus, they're gonna have some really juicy lottery picks coming up. They're gonna force Houston to contend starting like next year because of the stranglehold they have on Houston's future. So I'm excited for that. Make sure. Um, Thank you all so much for checking out this half of the podcast. Um, JD and I are going to be coming up again. This this podcast, I'm going to release this early in the morning on Thursday. I know a lot of it will might be outdated by the time it comes out. But, you know, for the sake of the team stuff won't necessarily be outdated unless there's like a huge trade involving the Cavs, Warriors or Grizzlies which there always could be. So I'm willing to take the L if that happens. Um, but it's it's been great. Um, no power hour. Of, there's going to be a football basketball draft coming out this week. Three power hours this week. So get ready to be overloaded with basketball talk. Um, but no power hour next week. Well, JD and I will be back the week after to... Um, to get you back to speed on the NBA. We might even do awards picks. I think it might be about that time to pick MVP and folks. Um, Josh, Josh Green, front runner for defensive player of the year. In all seriousness, um, 
yeah, we need to um, check out the other stuff on the Running Hook Podcast Network. Make sure you check out Facts and Sets as well. Make sure you check out Lynn Sandy. Make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. Um, let me know what you think of that football and basketball draft. And if you want to hear more stuff like that in the future at Alex Burf for, um, I know I jokingly throw out other people's ads at the end of that episode, but if you listen to this episode, then listen to that episode. Let me know what you think of the draft. If you, if you had a good time listening to that, if you want to hear more of it, just let me know. And thank you so much and enjoy the second half of this episode. And welcome back to the power hour. Um, I am once again, joined by JD Hall, you probably just heard me talking about the Thunder. It, I would like to throw a curveball in the tradition of throwing a fastball. JD, um, what is your favorite Cubs memory that's not the World Series? Ooh, that that's tough. You know what? He's not my favorite player no more, but I got to mention him. But it was uh, Wilson Contreras and Javier Baez making the All-Star team together. I was I was very excited for that. Um, for one, those was my number one and number two favorite players, and I felt like the connection that they had on the defensive end while being a bulk of – the burst that we could get on offense, I felt like they really deserved it. And then to be starters, I felt like it showed that we had, to me, the top two elite defenders in the league. Well, so that's a great memory. Um, I don't remember the White Sox winning the World Series. So the best White Sox memory I have, well, I didn't watch the Mark Burley perfect game, but I remember... I was at a park and my dad was listening to the game on the radio. And he's like, Mark Burley just threw a perfect game. I was like, hell yeah. I think I was like eight when that happened. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, And then, yeah, I think the Mark Burley perfect game, probably because nothing really has happened. Tim Anderson. I mean, just he's awesome, but not a whole lot of like Tim Anderson memories, you know, Tim Anderson moments. Yeah. I, I'm hoping not enough big ones. Hoping we get some soon. But JD, are you ready to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors? Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's start with the Cavaliers. They are currently 32 and well, actually, I'm gonna update the records when I record on a when I record on Wednesday, because that'll make more sense if I'm spacing these out. So let's just talk about the team. Let's just jump right into the team. Um, okay. So right now the Cavs are going through a little bit of a eh, stretch, I would say. Um, while I'm not giving the record, we're recording this on, JD and I are recording this on February 5th. Um, so they're right now they're kind of like win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Mitchell's kind of having some injury issues. A big thing that just happened last week, if you're following the Cavs, is that Dylan Brooks just totally... It's funny. I think we talked about the Grizzlies, and then not even an hour later, that happened? Yeah. It was It was very... It was like a very short time span that it happened. It was one of... So, 
I didn't do a good job of describing it. He basically Dylan Brooks went up for a shot, fell to the ground, got it blocked, got it blocked. Um, then when he was rolling on the ground, decided to throw his arm in the air and tap Donovan Mitchell in the balls. And he looked it, as he was rolling back. He definitely it, it, looked. When you watch it, like even in real time, you're like, oh, he did that on purpose. <laughs> Like at full speed, you're like, oh, there's no, there's, you can't lift your arm up in the air like that. First of yeah. all, there's no reason to. And perfectly just no. Like, usually when somebody's rolling, they either got their hands down or straight in front of them. Exactly. Who rolls over with one hand in the air and you're rolling? Now, why did Donovan Mitchell get a, was that his second tech? That had to, uh, like, a, I think one was for throwing the ball and the second one was for the engaging. Well, I, he shouldn't have been ejected, man. But, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think some things are just like he should have been able to, he should have been allowed to throw the ball at Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think, I think they should have. Personally, I agree. I mean, but I do think if you was going to throw one out, you should have threw both because it caused a lot. But I, I say, Flagrant foul on um, Dylan Brooks, Tech on Mitchell, and just let it go. But you and I talked a lot about Mitchell on when we record our recorded our All Star Pod. So if you want to hear like our extensive thoughts on Mitchell, you can listen to that. Um, because JD specifically didn't want to talk about that one game he had against that one team. I refuse. Um. I mean, do you really have anything you want to add about Mitchell since we I feel like we spent a good amount of time talking about him? No, I mean, I, I think we did. Uh, we covered everything as far as Donovan Mitchell go. So if you want to hear our Mitchell thoughts, check that out. Um, I just I want to reiterate his footwork this year is sublime. Like splitting double teams and traps. I don't know what happened. He wasn't doing this in Utah. <laughs> Or if he was, I just wasn't paying attention, apparently. But the way he's, like, splitting traps this year. Like, J.D., you know that's all footwork. Like, you have to be a good ball handler. Don't get it wrong. But you have to have exquisite footwork to be able to split a trap like that. And his footwork is just insane this year. Let's actually talk about his defense. I feel like his defense has gotten better than it was in Utah. I feel like he's trying harder. Do you think he didn't like Rudy Gobert that much? Or do you think he hated Utah that much? Offensive low too wide. He carried too much. Trying not to get a headline, I see. I think I just think he carried too much. I think in Cleveland, his role is very specific. Um he don't got to do as much. He really don't have to set up others. He got um, one of the best young premier point guards. I think in upcoming years, I say trade um, Darius Garland might be the one-two for 20 and 10 a night at the guard position. So... Having that, having that as your backcourt mate, you don't have much that you really need to forcefully do. Um, Then you got two premier inside defenders 
Um, I think I think it when you're around a group like that, well, what you got to do is very specific and it's consistent. You're around consistency and it's not a question. I think you want to play harder and do more because you feel like these guys got your back regardless. That's true. And let's talk about that point guard. That point guard put on a show in Memphis. Actually, was it in Cleveland? I don't know. It was in Cleveland. And Memphis was when Dylan Brooks blocked his shot for the That's right. uh, game winner on the game I mean, winner. He put on a show in both games, though. He really showed out in both those games. And he shouldn't have got that. I mean, he should have taken the last shot, but that was he got it back in a bad spot in that um, first Memphis game. But he looks so much better this year. I know the numbers don't show it, but man, he is such a pure point guard, JD. Like the bounce passes are so crisp. He doesn't turn the ball over less than three turnovers a game compared to eight assists a game. I mean, how often does that happen? Not a whole lot. Yeah. The assist to turnover ratio is insane. Like I'm sure you could pull up, like I'm going to pull up Halliburton's. I'm sure he he's better than Halliburton's. And everyone's like, oh, Halliburton's, you know, CP reincarnated. Well, actually, <laughs> I stand corrected. Um, still, very impressive for Mr. Garland. I agree. What have you seen this year in terms of improvement for Darius Garland? Um, consistency, uh, I'll say... Definitely his um, confidence as if it needed to get higher. I think he got more confident and not just uh, not just in saying, oh, he's playing better. But I think his confidence in making mistakes like it, it was not a lot of room for them to do that last year. But this year, I think he's comfortable with it because he know he could get it back and that he's going to get it back and he's going to get it right. That's a really good way to put it. I think, I think just overall, like in every field, like he just got better because he's more comfortable and he, he, he's a young guy. So he, he's ready for all of that. Yeah. And I think you brought it up too. Last year, it was like he was walking a tightrope. He couldn't make any mistake because he had to dribble. He had to make every shot. He had to, you know, he couldn't make any mistakes. Perfect passes. Exactly. This year, he doesn't have to do that, but he's still doing it, which is insane. Like, it's actually insane. Held itself to the same standard. Which, and you, you know what's impressing me too? I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have an ego. I think the best player should have an ego. Right. But to let a guy come in on the outside and have it appear like he's taking over your team, I think Donovan would probably tell you it's still Darius's team. Like, just based on how they play. I believe he has said that. Yeah. And, but Darius doesn't care about that. Like, and you can tell in the way he plays. He lets he lets Mitchell handle the ball. Mm-hmm. He lets him bring it up sometimes. And you know, most point guards, like let's just say it's Chris Paul. Would Chris Chris Paul would die. 
<laughs> before he let Donovan Mitchell bring it up the court <laughs> like that. Like James Harden, he had to because James Harden was an MVP caliber player. But Donovan Mitchell? No, give me that ball. I'm Chris Paul. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Chris Paul, I, I think you would agree, earned that right yeah. over the course of a long and distinguished career. But what's cool is when you see the players who are so good but are like, I don't need to do all that. I can still be great while doing a little bit less. Because we talk about it all the time. Like, hell, we just talked about it with Luca. We were just talking about it with Luca, with Kyrie going to the Mavs, because we're recording these at the same time. They're not going to come out at the same time. But you would agree it's the same idea, but we don't have the same faith that Luca will execute it. I don't think either of us had any doubt that Garland would execute and let Mitchell have a lot of the shine. I don't think either of us thought, huh. like, oh. Because we knew he could play without the ball. Exactly. We saw it in his second year. His second year, Sexton almost averaged 25 points a game. Mm-hmm. And it was... You saw the flashes then. I I still think... I have Garland as a top 25 player. I had Garland as a top 25 player coming into the year, as you know. I haven't seen anything to change that. Um... He's only gotten better, so. Yeah, and he took, like, when Mitchell went out in that Memphis game, I mean, he was already, Mitchell wasn't playing great in that Memphis game. Nah, anyway, he, he was but, pretty bad. But he took over. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's so impressive to me. Like, to just take over for when your teammate doesn't have it. And that's some real top-tier stuff. I, I just don't feel like he's getting the recognition he deserved. I don't think as crazy as much as it sucks to say he probably didn't deserve to make an all-star team this year. But man, he in my heart <laughs> he was an all-star JD. Um let's talk about the guy who might be one of the most hyped young prospects in the league, Evan Mobley. The defense is still insane, JD. Yeah. But I want to talk about his offense. I know he's not getting a whole lot of shots, Uh and that's kind of by design. But I like what he's doing when he has the ball. Like, I like how he gets the ball and he attacks. How how have you felt when you're watching Evan Mobley with the ball this year? I want him with the ball more, honestly, because he's actually a good passer. I, I want to see him with the ball more. I think there's so much potential to his game that I want to just see more opportunities. Not say take away from what's working, but, you know, how can, how will we know if this may unlock more to the uh, team or not unless we see it more? So, okay, so you're J.D. Bickerstaff. J.D. Bickerstaff. So... Mitchell's taking 20 shots a game. Garland's at 16.5. Mobley is at 11 and Al- Levert's at 11. Allen's at 9. How are you redoing the shots to get Mobley more touches? Um, Jed Allen don't need nine shots. He needs seven. If it's not a oop or a dump off, you know, what he's taking a shot for, so... 
Okay. Sorry, sorry to say it, but I give. I'm not saying he's not capable, but I give him the DeAndre Jordan treatment. Now, okay. What if I told you there was a guy coming off the Cavs bench who may have been there when they won a championship? Yeah, who's shooting thirty nine percent from the field. Can I interest you in those seven shots a game? Yeah, but he is he is he back or is he still hurt? I think he's still hurt. No, he it looks like he's healthy now. Okay. Either way it go, Kevin Little don't need if it's not a wide open three, what are you taking a shot for? I don't need him taking seven shots a game. That's no, not at all. Re- reduce that to three until that percentage get up. <laughs> Man. Give, Le- give Levert two of his shots and Give Mobley to a Valis, boom. And you solved the Cavs shot selection problems? Hey, sounds perfect to me. I found your coach name. It's just J.D. Bickerstaff. Oh, better staff. <laughs> He's a good coach. Yeah, but um, I think I'm better. So, it's not a top five coach. I think I'm better. So when we talk about the Cavs, we obviously got to talk about the hole at the three. I don't know if I think we kind of just addressed that on the last part, right? We kind of talked about it, but do you think if they don't address it, let's just say they roll with Akoro, Levert, Osman, Dean Wade, let's say, you know, those four guys. Right. Do you think that's going to be good enough? No. Or do you think they need to get like. I don't think Jay Crowder would be a good fit here. And people are saying it would be. I don't think it would be. He, they need someone who can actually make shots. I don't think it'll be bad, but um, honestly, I don't think they can win without filling that hole. They feel that hole. They might be the favorites, to be honest. I would agree with that. Um, it's, it's like it's gas out there. It's just. You know how we talked about OG and Anobi to Memphis or Cleveland? Yeah. He 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 would fit perfectly for either one of them, right? But the thing is, only one of them can get him. What other guy fits that, you know, who, who can just fit in that same place? I personally do think that... Um, Crowder might not be perfect, but he he helps regardless. He he puts things into a seven game series that can swing their way. Like right now, presently constructed, if they go seven games with Milwaukee, Boston, I don't see them winning just because they won't have anybody to guard Chris Middleton or the Brown Tatum duo. But they could get Crowder. We know he's not going to stop nobody. Like, he's not going to just stop him. But he could get a pivotal stop in the game. Or that hustle. Or making the extra pass. Or Ananobi. We know what Ananobi has done in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I don't know. 
I, I, I just think they need to upgrade in that spot, and if they don't, they 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 won't make it out the East. I just thought of something. Now I don't know if this other team will go for it, but let's just say hypothetically they say yes. If you're Cleveland, would you do Kevin Love for Jonathan Isaac and Terrence Ross? If I'm Cleveland, yeah, because for one, Terrence Ross can come off the bench and score with Karis LeVert. And for two, Jonathan Isaac has so much potential if he can actually stay healthy. Like this first time we saw him in like two to three years. Um, your your answer makes me think Orlando would definitely say no. Yeah, I don't think Orlando say no. But if I'm Cleveland, I give it a shot. I mean, <laughs> they'll be like bringing back a better defensive Larry Markkinen. And yeah. then that defensive lineup will really be crucial. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I real quick, I wanna talk, um I wanna talk Karis Levert, if that's okay with you. I think he's become a polarizing player. Cause he got really hyped up when he went to the Pacers. Yeah. Like, you know, in the Harden trade, they're like, oh, the Pacers stole Levert from the Nets. Yeah. But he's kind of just been eh. And obviously, you know, he almost died. So that has something to do with it. But I I feel like in Cleveland, they're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Because I feel like they're trying to make him a spot-up shooter, and I don't feel like that's his game at all. No. And I I feel like... He's a shot creator. Exactly. And I don't feel like there's enough shots to go around here. For him to be that shot creator. Does that make sense? Nah, I actually agree. I'm glad you agree. I'm glad you agree. Um, so, big picture questions about the Cavs. I mean, I guess we've already asked them. Do you have any big picture questions for me about the Cavs? Um, no, I think we addressed it um, last time when I asked who you think would be the best fit for that three-hole. I said we can we can move to we can move to Golden State. Yeah. Again, not gonna read off their record just yet. I will read off the records when um when I get to that time. However, I did mention the date that we are recording this, JD and I. And some very unfortunate news occurred. I I think JD, we couldn't have better timing in recording this pod today. I like Kyrie, we were gonna do this today anyway. Kyrie, Steph, look at us. I mean, so Steph is going to be out for a couple of weeks with a leg injury. And I don't know what a couple of weeks means. This is his second big injury of the season. Um, He's already missed a few games. He's definitely going to miss the All-Star game now. Yep, Kyrie go take his spot. And Darius Garland or Harden will get Kyrie's. I mean, hey, if it works that way. Um, so what do you think this means? The Warriors kind of survived the first Stephless stretch. They did pretty good without Steph the first stretch, actually. Yeah, I mean, Clay was averaging 29. Jerome Poole was averaging, I believe, 22, 23. 
and Clay had that you know big fifty four point game um, against Atlanta. But I, I don't think they can do it again. I think that's the problem. I, I think one time, you know, oh, it's just a couple of weeks. We we got this. But JD, I don't I don't think it's possible to do it twice in the same year. Am I crazy? Do you think I'm off base there? Um, only for this team. For for one, yeah, they losing the greatest shooter ever, but they got the second, in my opinion, and. I mean, you just say he went for 54. We know there's nobody in NBA history that could get hotter than Klay Thompson. Um, so I think just with him, if he catch fire one game, that could that could last three to four games, you know, and with with the efficiency that he shoot with. Then you got the ultimate X factor in Jordan Poole, where this guy could go for 45 tonight. Just just on the random. Um, Kaminga has been looking good. They other guys have been looking very good since everybody been back. And that's the reason why I think it can last. I mean, Jamaica Green, Kaminga. Who was the other guy that just came back from injury? Was it? I mean, this team has been kind of wacky. Yeah. Was it Jamaica Green? Um, no, I just said him. It was it was a third guy. Um, he just was it, just made a return. Oh, uh, Wiggins. Uh, Wiggins. Yeah, I was like, yeah, all three of them just made their return back, and we know Jamaica Green has contributed to winning in different organizations, and he looked good last night. Kaminga definitely looked good last night. And Wiggins is Wiggins. We know this guy averaged twenty plus points before. We know this is some Wiggins came in the league as a scorer. He's a good defender now, but he's always been able to score. So I think they actually might be able to maintain a little bit better because Clay and Poole won't have so much on their plate because the other guys have been looking pretty good. DiVincenzo has been a steady beat coming off the bench. Um, I don't know. I I think they got it. Depending on who they're going against. Well, so let me actually pull up their schedule. Um, so let's just say this episode goes out on Thursday. Hypothetically, this episode goes out on Thursday, the ninth, before the right before the trade deadline. Um, so on Saturday, they're playing the Lakers. So going into the All Star break, they're playing the Lakers, Wizards, Clippers. Mm-hmm. One and, and two, two and one, probably. They should be the Wizards. They home. beat the Wizards. They beat the Lakers. Probably those two games are at home and then it's at LA for the Clippers coming out of the all-star break. You got Lakers at Lakers, Rockets, Wolves, Blazers. And then after the at Lakers, it's a big homestand for the Rockets. Then Wolves, Blazers, Clippers, Pelicans. I don't know, man. That's a pretty, like those last two games are pretty tough. And the Pelicans. Yeah, I wasn't talking about them. I was talking about the earlier uh, four or five. They, They could beat all of them. They could. But they could also lose all those games too. I mean, I, I, I think the more than all of them. I think they're probably gonna go five. I think maybe like four in. So let's just say that's a ten game stretch. That's basically yeah. That is ten games. Actually, it's nine games. So nine games. I could see them going like four and five, five and four. I don't think their season is lost. No, it's not. Give me six and three because I'm a Clay Thompson advocate. <laughs> 
I think they're going to lose a game they should win, and I think they're going to win a game they should lose. Of course. And it's going to be... Listen, it's going to be rough. But like you said, maybe Wiggins can be old Wiggins again. You never know with this team. This team literally defies all logic and explanation. You just, if you're the Warriors, you got to hang in to the play-in. You got to hang in the play-in because we're so far into the season now. We're They're 55 games in now. Almost. Well, right. 53, technically 53. <laughs> By the time this comes out, they'll be 55 games in. You're at seventh right now. Okay. There is very little room between you and the Thunder at 12. The Lakers at 13 are about three games behind you, four games. Lakers are going to be scrapping and clawing, especially if they make a trade between now and then. Um, Minnesota is very incentivized to try to make the playoffs. New Orleans <laughs> is fighting for their lives, apparently. A team you and I have been both putting, you and I have like been like, nope, we're putting them off in a, the midst of a very long losing streak that was just snapped yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, JD, this team is good. And I, not, I don't not have faith in them. Because <laughs> this team has risen from the ashes before. In 2021, that team had no hope, and they made they should have made the playoffs. They should have beaten the Grizzlies. They didn't beat the Grizzlies, but they should have. Yeah, thanks to Draymond Green. <laughs> it was a lot of factors. Kelly Oubre played a big factor in that. Um, he was just terrible all year, but that game specifically, Draymond... Turned it over because he was scared to shoot. Then missed another floater. I think this Warriors team. I don't think. Based on the trials and tribulations they've had all year. I don't think I'm as scared of them going into the playoffs as I was in 2021. Now, if they start to hit their groove in like the middle of March, maybe. But right now, I'm like, okay. I I just don't feel like they're those guys at the moment. I could be very wrong. But right now, I think in terms of title contention, I'm not saying this knocks them out entirely. But we don't know how long Steph's going to be out, JD. A few okay. weeks can mean like a few weeks can mean 2 weeks. Or it can mean five weeks. I mean, at the very minimum, when I hear few, I think three. So I go three to just because I I think I read impartial tears or something like that. I'm going to go three to seven. And seven weeks from now is like the start of the play-in. So I mean, he'll be back by then. Yeah. But let's just, let's they, just say, they just say gave an official timetable, which is the scary thing. Yeah, exactly. So that, I, I got to think the worst. Ex- exactly. So, and he's so important to this team. Absolutely. Best player. And I don't think there's a more important player in the league to a team, probably. Even more important than Giannis or Jokic. And I... <laughs> I don't know. 
I want to have faith. I just don't think this team, until I know what's wrong with Steph, I'm not going to have them in that title contingent tier. I think I'll have that, like, I'll still have respect for them. But until I know exactly what's wrong with Steph, I'm just, I, I have respect for them. I just, I can't do it, Jay. I can't get that far. Mm. I don't know. I mean, for me, I just can't go against them. <laughs> I just can't go against them. But every, also every year, every year since the play-in's been around, JD, you've seen this. Other than the first year, the last three years of the play-in, especially in the West, we've talked like there's always been a team that's underperformed. Last last year was the Clippers. Year before that, it was the Warriors. Or yeah, year before that, it was the Warriors and the Lakers. So I guess it's just the last two years. But those teams were like, oh, those teams are going to be sleeping giants when it comes to the playoffs. Those teams are going to be sleeping giants when it comes to the playoffs. And only one of those teams made the playoffs, and that was the Lakers. And the Lakers got their asses kicked by the Suns. Like, absolutely destroyed by the Suns. Right. To the point where we were calling ADA Disney. (laughs) Now, it wasn't his... Looking back, I don't think it was all his fault. But I think playing in those playing games takes a lot out of you. Because... You got to prep for those games like a game seven. What do we know about playing in game seven, JD? They're the Mm. hardest games in sports. Yeah. For the teams that don't have home court advantage, it's win or go home. And it takes a lot out of you. In particular, that one season, the 2021 season, where the Warriors were fighting for their lives, playing six-man rotation down the stretch. And I think this Warriors team is better than that team. But the West is so jumbled at the bottom. Like, you mess around, you're going to get the 11 seed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I don't know. I think personally, just because I do believe in Golden State, that I just, I can't count them out yet. I I understand. It's just... It's not that I don't think... I don't think they suck by any means. Don't don't get that twisted. I think they're a very good team. But... You have... So basically right now... The Kings are three game... They're a game and a half clear of the Clippers. After that... Four games separate the Clippers and the Lakers. The Lakers are at 13. So four games separate by my count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. That's a lot of teams, JD. Yeah. A lot of teams for six spots. Three of those teams are going to make it. And if the Warriors, all I'm saying is they need to get their heads on straight and play with purpose and discipline which is something they haven't been doing a lot of this year. And they need to... Pool needs to be better. I think we would agree with that. Yeah. Anything... I know there's other stuff with the Warriors. What? Any questions you have for me about the Warriors, maybe? Because I know I've kind of... <laughs> uh, 
if if outside of health, what is their biggest fix? Like, like what could they fix at the trade deadline? In general, what do you need? They do you think they need to make a trade? What do you think is best for them? I think if they can snag Alex Caruso, like, I know that's not something you want to hear. Let's just say a guy like Alex Caruso. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, why would you say his name in particular? Like, well, you know, his name has been rumored to the Bolt or to the. <laughs> his name has been rumored to the Warriors for a while now. They need um, to leave him alone. He's happy. If they could get a guy like Alex Caruso, right? Just someone else. Really, what they're missing the most is Otto Porter. But Otto Porter wouldn't even be playing for them right now, anyway. Um. They're missing Gary Payton a lot. They're missing Otto Porter. The problem is, is that it wasn't really, it didn't really make sense to keep those guys. Mm-hmm. But who were you going to replace them with? That was Dante was a good signing. I think you would agree with I that. I like that. But <sighs> he's not GP2. He had a particular skill set that was so good for that specific team. It just made sense. Otto Porter is exactly what every team needs. Like, healthy Otto Porter. The problem is he's, he's not healthy. <laughs> Half the time. Like, since his last year in Washington, he hasn't been healthy really ever. Only last year. And six eight wings who can shoot 40% from three don't grow on trees. Getting those guys for minimum contracts don't grow on trees. Right. <laughs> so I don't really know how you were supposed to replace him. That being said, um, I don't know what they thought they were going to get out of Kaminga this year or Moody. Like those guys have been fine. But to get the best out of those guys, it wasn't going to be in Golden State. I'm just going to be honest. I think Moody let me down because he had started off real well. But Kaminga, I think Kaminga's going to be just fine. You know, you know, a trade would make a lot of sense. Moody for Duarte. Just admit both of you were wrong. Just admit. Uh, I don't like Duarte. He's better for the Warriors, I think, than he is for the Pacers. And Moody's better for the Pacers than he is for the Warriors. Yeah, that may be true. I just don't like uh, Dorte. He keep getting into it with my boy, Desmond Bang. And he got into it with John Light. Dude, calm down. Of course. I didn't. Re- I, I haven't been keeping track of your beefs lately. Um, so let me ask you then. What would you do if you were... JD Myers. That's what I'm going to start doing. I'm just going to start importing your names in front of these GM's names. Um, what would you do if you were JD Myers and they were telling you go out and make us a trade to get us a championship? What would you do? Um, Alright, you want to hear it? I, I do want to hear it. That's why I asked. I caught a Brooklyn Nets. Oh, you're going nuclear. <laughs> I call the Brooklyn Nets. You're going nuclear. What's up with Kevin Durant? And 
F I can't do that. I say, okay. Well, let me um get this young Ben Simmons off your hands for Draymond Green. I don't know. I think I'd rather have this Draymond Green than this Ben Simmons. I mean, Ben Simmons got way more years ahead of him than Draymond. And Draymond already talking like he want to leave so he could go top. I'm not going to be disrespectful. So he could go disrespectful. team up with uh, some guys in L.A. I see what you're saying. I... So I take the younger and I take the more upside. See, the difference between Draymond and Ben is that Draymond is willing to get down and dirty. Ben hasn't showing any willingness or inclination to do that. That's the problem. And Ben might be a different player if he was willing to do that. But I, I don't, who can really say? Um, might just be situations. It might. Who knows? Could be. Um, I think overall, I don't really know what else to talk about with this team because this team just feels like in such a weird state of flux that any like it could all change by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. And this is a weird time, I think, to do team weeks. Yeah, the NBA right now is is in this peak of change. Right. Who knows? By the time this episode comes out, things will probably be 100% different. So, caveat that with what you will, but I I don't think Anthony Lamb is cutting it. As much as I was a Ty Jerome fan, I don't think he's cutting it. As much I don't as like that Ty pains Jerome. Me, as much as that pains me to say. Um, I don't know. I This team, it's kind of a little bit of a disappointing title defense, but I get it. I, I I get it. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about the Warriors? Because I know it's kind of been a weird segment. Um, I honestly don't. I think we we covered the the things that was most important. Um, Steph and upcoming games. That's true. So, thank you so much for joining me. Um, this is going to be our last team week until after the All Star break. Um, I won't be coming back. Until the week of the All-Star break, I'm going on vacation. So JD will be getting a nice little vacation as well. Um, I did hear that Caleb Lynn and JD Hall are going to be collaborating on a power hour to roast my takes. Um, heard that through the grapevine. So make sure you stay on the lookout for that. There's going to be a lot of power hours coming out this week. Um, also make sure you're on the lookout for a power hour with me, Zach Griffith, and Dylan Hughes drafting NFL drafting a football team with NBA players. Um, JD, if you were to draft an NFL, a running back, picking any NBA player from the last 15 years, who are you taking? At running back? At running back specifically. Um, last 15 years. Last 15 years. They could have played, like you could take Matt Bonner. Uh no. Oh well. Sure. I don't want to go with LeBron because that's an obvious answer. Yeah, he's not, that's not the position I pick him at. Yeah, exactly. But running back, you know, um, 
I keep thinking about this guy, but I don't want to say his name just yet until until my mind clears. Um, Desmond Bain. Yeah, ooh, that's a good one. You know who I I don't think I'll pick, but who I want to pick? Nate Robinson. I thought a little Nate. I definitely thought a little Nate, but oh no. That was a that's a that's a nice question. It's gonna be a fu- you should listen to that episode, JD. It's gonna be a blast. Um because I think you're gonna laugh at some of my selections, but I think you'll also be like, damn, that's good. So make sure you check that out. Um, make sure you check out Facts and Stats. JD, you got anything coming down the pipe? Oh, I got a lot coming, actually. Uh, man, when I tell you recently the creativity that's been fathoming, uh, that I, I, I've been hoping the game has just came all together is it's really perfect for me right now. That's that's perfect. You got to make sure you check it out. Um, make sure you listen to Linsanity. I believe they're taking this week off, but that will be offsetted by <laughs> three power hours. Um, make sure you listen to Circle City Cinema, Oscar picks. That'll hold you over for a while. JD, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, of course, brother. Absolutely. And I will talk to you all after vacation. 